Hey, it's Erin Anderson from Live Big Co. And you're listening to the Power to Be podcast. This season is all about the art of leadership. My guests are from all over the world. They are leaders, healers, artists, coaches, and game changers. They are the real deal. Although if you ask them, they'll say they're simply following a calling. Together, we dive into meaningful conversations about their passion, motivation, and expression in the world. We'll explore the challenges that leaders are faced with in generating inspiration in this ever-changing global environment. There's something here for you to discover. So listen in, and you'll soon find out that the secret to their success lies not in how they lead, but in who they are. Let's find out what this week's guest has the power to lead. Well, hello, Todd. Hello, Erin. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. This is season two of The Power to Be, and my intention in this season is to speak to leaders. So you as um, as the power to be a leader, and, and I bet you when I say that to you, you're like, what you talking about? Mm-hmm. But I think of you very much as a leader in the community and in the world and um, in your family and in the way that you conduct yourself. I've I've been a fan of yours for, oh my gosh, Todd, how many, like a decade, more, 15 years, maybe even more. It's been a long time, right? Thank you. Likewise. So um, I wanted to, I thought of you um, pr- primarily because of one project that I, I know that you're up to. But before I get to that, I, I'd just love to hear from you about, well, for our listeners to hear about you. So I know you to be the um, publisher of Mountain Life Magazine. I know you to be an environmentalist. I know you to be a world traveler. I know you to be uh, an amazing photographer, by the way. I had no idea how amazing you are. And um, yeah, so to tell me a little bit about your life and what you're up to. And yeah, tell yeah. us. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that's hard to pin down into a corner sort of um diversity is definitely one of the guiding lights in my life Mm. so that's why i like to do a lot of different things and you know change things up if if it's getting boring or whatever so yeah i really like to do a lot of different things and um sometimes sometimes it gets a little bit hectic for sure with you know trying to organize all those things in your head right but um you know at the end of the day my number one I was thinking about this the other day my number one sort of benchmark or whatever for success is freedom Mm. if I can have freedom in my life I am successful and if I can share and spread that freedom with with anyone out there that you know might need to hear that or hear this today or um, just to be free. That's, that's uber, super important in my life. Talk to me about that a little bit, because freedom is an interesting, uh, value that I know a lot of people have, and I know a lot of people really strive for it. And what I've noticed is that even people who are striving for freedom, they tend to suffer along the way of trying to find freedom. Right. And, um, they have some people really have some interesting, challenges around what freedom means. Uh, it might, it might actually lead them down the wrong path. So tell me what, what does freedom mean to you? Talk to me about that. Well, freedom means time, you know, time is huge time to be able to do things and, you know, go on an adventure for a week or 10 days or a year. Um, you know, that all comes down to, to how much time you have really. And I think people sometimes, get caught up in the hamster wheel of making money because they think that, oh, if I make money, okay, well, I'm good. Then I can have time. I'll, I'll be able to have money and time to do that later on. But, you know, it sometimes ends up biting them in the ass because they're chasing the money, but not the time, right? So time, I think, should be more important in making decisions than, than money is for sure. And do you mean, like, isn't it interesting, hey, how we spend time? You know, it really is uh, an expenditure. Like there, we, you know, time is not liquid. It it is actually fixed, right? There's 24 hours, but the way that you use the time is malleable. 
So how, how do you like describe to me what, um, what makes time so valuable to you? Like, how would you spend it? Good question. Um, yeah, so time, I've re- I'm, I'm really kind of a student of my calendar. Or I try to be. So mm. I study my calendar and I, I know kind of, you know, a month from now, oh, I'm going to have three days now to work on this project. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for it there. I'll slot it in and it's there and it's done and I don't have to worry about it. And, you know, on a daily basis too, like it's amazing how much we have like, oh, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. People, people, I think people just think that we don't have enough time, but we actually <laughs> do. We actually do have a lot of time. Like sometimes at night I'll be, um, I'll get kind of bored sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, what's like, you know, I got a lot of stuff on the go. And, you know, sometimes I kind of need to give my head a break from doing stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and when it gets like that, I'm like, wow, there's actually, I actually have a lot of time to just do or read or whatever. Like I'm a, I'm a reader. So I'll read a lot, read a lot, which is, which is great for the mind and the body and the soul. But um, yeah, for me, time is so important to make sure that you are using it correctly by studying your calendar and, you know, filling in those blanks with you will with, with doing something productive. If, if that equates to you creating more time and freedom for yourself. Oh, I love this so much. It's such a good, I mean, all I can think of is how many times I've been a victim of time. I have no time. And how many times I've heard that I want to do this thing, but I have no time and how untrue that is. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's time, like you said, time is liquid and uh, it's hard to manage sometimes for sure, because we've got a lot, you know, there's people out there that work a lot and, you know, it kind of saddens me when they say, Oh, I don't have time. Like, you know, I don't have time for my family or whatever, because I think it should just be the other way around. But, you know, I'll understand a lot of people aren't in, in that, in that position. Right. So, but I think just in general, focusing on time and creating time, free time should be at the forefront of your thoughts all the time. Well, my favorite thing you said is that you're a student of your calendar. I've never heard that before. And what I love about uh, the visual that I got is that your your calendar really is your guide. Your calendar is your um like your school. But, but the other thing that I've heard once before is that if it's not in your calendar, it doesn't exist. So if you actually did look at a calendar and think, like you said, I have three days coming up next month and you plot in that adventure that you want to do, then it's in and it's locked and loaded and there's no exhaustion around what should I do now? I don't know what to do. Oh, I have no time. Right. It doesn't open up that whole yeah, because yes. like you know, we've all been guilty of being flaky with our time, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, like, you don't commit to something because maybe something else will come along, or you just don't plan something, and then that time flies by, and you've missed that opportunity. Like to me, regret—well, regret is my biggest fear in life. It's just like mm. you know, not being not not being able to do what you want to do because you said coulda, woulda, or shoulda. Where do you think that you got this incredible value around time and making, it feels like you're wanting to make the most of life, that you want to um, create life to be an adventure, that you love diversity, that you're just not the guy to be put into a box. Please don't put me into a box. And you love this idea of, of um, yeah, like a, a wild ride kind of life. So where do you think that came from? Uh, it came from my brother, hundred percent. My my brother Sean, who passed away about twenty years ago now, he was like a freedom fighter. Like he was, he was the freest guy that I know, and I, that that's who I learned how to be free from. Really, was him. Mm. You know, we were we were traveling through Africa. This was back in nineteen ninety nine. And I was a golf professional at the time, so I was kind of buttoned up. You know, young professional um, doing my thing. And I, I would also, I would always go travel by myself in the winter season. So then when I met up with Sean, we decided to, we decided to meet up cause we hadn't traveled together. And then, um, basically we, we bought two dirt bikes and ended up going on this amazing trip through Southern Africa for three and a half months. 
and it, it ended in tragedy. But during that time, it was amazing because I didn't have like during that time of freedom, I didn't have to answer the phone or talk to anybody or make any plans or whatever. We just like woke up and looked at the map and went. And it was the most liberating experience that you could ever imagine. And I just have really tried to keep that going throughout my life. Wow. And so I, what I know that you're up to right now is that you're writing a book. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Well, tell us about it. Uh, okay. Well, the book, you know, the book in a nutshell is about freedom. Mm. So it's, um, you know, it centers around when me and my brother were in Africa and he passed away from, from malaria. Um, and we had, you know, we were basically, I went from the highest of the highs of my entire life and in four and a half days to the low of the low of the low of my entire life. Wow. So it was this massive, insane, crazy roller coaster. And then I wanted to keep his dream alive, which was to ride from, from Whistler from here, from BC down to South America. So, uh, then when I met Christina five years after he passed away, I kind of popped the question to her and we kept his dream alive and we kept riding, you know, we rode all the way down to Chile and wait, uh, wait, wait, <laughs> you popped the question. Yeah, I love how like everyone's thinking, Oh, he asked her to marry her, but really you popped the question. Will you ride from <laughs> Whistler, British Columbia down to South America? Is that what the the yeah, question yeah, was? The question was basically, do you want to keep my brother's dream alive and ride a motorcycle down to South America? I love it. I love it. And as a result, did you not become life partners? Yeah, totally. And uh, she had never been even on a motorcycle before. Like she'd never ridden a motorcycle. So she learned how to ride in like three or four months. And then we just hit the road and we both learned along the way. Wow. What a woman. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I was lucky to find her for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so you, the two of you, um, rode down uh, how many kilometers or miles is that, was that ride? Uh, the, yeah, the first ride was 47,000 kilometers. Um, and then after that, so, you know, it was such a life changing adventure for, for both of us. Uh, and we were totally addicted to it. Then, then Africa kept calling me back, you know, it was just Mm. always there. It was sort of just like pulling me there, pulling me back there. I knew I wanted to go back. And this time I kind of knew that I wanted to just go back there with a purpose and with a mission. So, um, because my brother died from malaria, I wanted to see if we could help prevent, you know, people from getting malaria in, in these rural remote regions where access to a mosquito net is very, very difficult for these people. So, so we pitched a company called the, the against malaria foundation and Mm -hmm. they totally hopped on board with our idea. So they, they created our own webpage where people could donate and that money was turned into nets. And, um, we received the nets when we were in Africa and we were able to you know, also join in with a couple of other major net distribution projects because we could only carry so many on our bikes, right? Mm-hmm. So when we had them on our bikes. The, the we wanted to just go into some more remote, remote places, like I said, that where access is difficult. And um, you know, we would stay with people, and then we'd give them like three or four nets, and then we would go and spend another night with people and give them three or four nets. So. Uh, amazingly uplifting experience to see these people and how grateful they were to have met us and to receive a net and to be like, Hey, you're actually helping my kid to survive because that first five years of a, of a child's life in Africa, it's not, it's not easy. Right. So when they get past that initial stage where they're most susceptible, then and, and it just like, we learned so many other things from it too. It was just like, you know, we met students who were like, oh, now I can sleep at night because mosquitoes aren't buzzing around my head and I can actually focus on my schoolwork. So, wow. Yeah. The smallest things, hey, we take for granted. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that that net actually provided freedom for them? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like we, like I said, this one girl said to us she just like thank you so much for my net and she's like now I can sleep good at night 
And I didn't really realize that at first and how much, you know, how much of a pain in the ass mosquitoes are when they're buzzing around your head, right? And you, you can't kill it. It's like, it's insanely irritating. So yeah, just to, you know, what we did was a, was a relative, was a very, very small drop in the bucket of the humanitarian aid that's happening in Africa. But if we, like I said to Christina, if we even helped one kid, help save one kid's life, like that, it's all worth it, right? Absolutely. And, you know, as a result, would, uh, what would you say, um, what would you say that that journey saved in you? Wow. Um, it saved, it saved me having to go through that process of guilt Mm. because I was with my brother when he died and both of us could have got, could have got the disease or I could have got the disease. Um, so I had, I'd kind of been dealing with guilt for quite a, quite a while and I'm not the most open guy with my feelings. So, um, I was kind of battling with this inside of myself for a while. Right. But Mm. then kind of getting on the bikes again and just being free of that. And I kind of, you know, it made me realize that it's, you know, it wasn't my fault or it's not my fault. So just like, you know, it happened and don't kill yourself over it and beat yourself up over it. Cause my brother definitely wouldn't want that. Right. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's saved. It, it seems like that the net or the, the journey, well, the net that was created for you around this. I mean, I'm just really a, a appreciating this analogy of the net and coming together with freedom and coming together with time. I mean, what, what you provided for those kids in Africa really was time, time in their life. They got to live actually, right. They got to live past five years old. So the net provided time for them in their lives. And what's so so interesting, if, if I just circle back to this concept of freedom and people who are seeking freedom versus the people who are saying, I have no time, I have no time, there's something really powerful about the way a net holds things together that are here to be held together. And what you needed to be held together, it seems, is your um, your love, your legacy, your life, your light. Mm-hmm. And how, like, isn't it interesting that people who are seeking freedom sort of think that there is no boundaries, that they, they just, that they have no accountability, that they don't have to answer to anyone. But really what, what I hear in your story is that this net created this, this hug, this whole, this, this um, purpose, this mission to centralize your life around. And it, and it gave you new meaning, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. hundred percent. We when we left, we didn't know sort of how it was going to go or we didn't know, you know, I had, I had a bunch of fears even from going from the trip. Like my mom didn't definitely didn't want me going. Like oh, yeah. we had this massive fight in, in, in the, in, at their house one time when we, when we said we're going back to Africa. So, you know, understandably. So if my child died from malaria, I wouldn't want my other kid going back there straight away pretty much. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, but the analogy that is is good there with with the net and with with that because when when we're doing that and kind of on the ground and when you're in these like you know you're going to these tiny villages just in the middle of nowhere and you know we they didn't even have like nails or anything to sort of put these nets in onto into their house right so we would like go outside and break off these branches or get these sticks and hammer them in with a rock and make sure that because part of part of our deal with the against malaria foundation was to do a bunch of follow-up because the 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 organizations that do this they're extremely well organized like you know you kind of wouldn't think it for africa for some reason you know logistics and all that stuff but Mm -hmm. it was like the penmanship was insanely perfect and everything was good but when we went to do the follow-up because people hadn't been educated on you know some some of these people didn't even know what the net was right wow yeah go and some of the people would have it hung like you know because they're sleeping on the floor and on these on these little mats or whatever they would have it hung like two inches too high 
which basically just renders it useless, right? So we yeah. break it down and lower it and just say, okay, in the daytime, you flip it up. At night, obviously, you put it under, your, you know, put your kids under here. It was, they were meant for the kids, right? So, um, but yeah, so just overall having that experience helped me, um, you know, tap into that freedom again and sort of pass it along to these kids. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, to me, it's it's such a it's such a cool um, theme in your life that, and I, I guess one of the reasons I'm I'm sort of um, fascinated with this concept of freedom and time is that free time, free time doesn't mean not like do nothing. It it means actually an incredible abundance. And that's the thing that I, I, I feel like you're so close to yourself that you take yourself for granted, but you, you fill your time, your life with such, um, w- incredible adventures. Like t- tell us a little bit more about some of your, <laughs> some of your other adventures that I've seen pictures of. Yeah. So people are going to follow you soon and see what crazy things you do. Well, I think, um, you know, one, one other thing that's, you know, same thing with freedom. It's like when, when we embraced the sport of stand up paddling, when that kind of came out, um, it was right at the time that we had our daughter, Sienna, and it was an adventure that we could do both and bring our kid on. Like we would just, you know, the, remember those bumbo seats? Oh yeah. The little rubber seats. Yeah. yeah. Put the bumbo seat on the board and go paddling. And wow. you know, she was just on there. She was totally happy. She would go to sleep all the time. But so, mm-hmm. you know, so since that's like, so that was like some awesome family times that we could have. Cause you know, you can still hike, you can still hike when they're like young, young, but once they get past that certain age, they're, they get too heavy to carry hiking kind of goes by the wayside and a few other things. So, but paddling was one of these things that we really embraced. And, um, I love paddling. Just it's super meditative for me. It's a challenge, especially like the whitewater river stuff and, you know, going up to the Northwest territories and spending 14 days on a river, um, as the first ones down the river of the season and boards where people are like, you guys are going to go down the river and those things. And we had, you know, we had like 120 pounds each of gear and food on the boards and uh, we didn't know how it was going to go. And that's sometimes, that's sometimes what you have to do in life. I think you just have to like not care about where you're going to sleep that night or not care about where, you know, we don't have the, it's almost like a luxury that we don't have, that we take for granted is like, we know we can go to the store and get food. Mm-hmm. Right? Or we know we can, you know, we know where we're going to sleep that night or whatever. It's kind of we get we get kind of in this boring, predictable routine. Complacent, uh, yeah. When if people ask me about travel all the time, and I said, well, if you want to, I always say, if you want a true experience, leave your phone. Don't bring a GPS. Don't even bring a guidebook. Just bring a map and go somewhere and mm. figure it out. Like talk to locals and stay with people because those like the times all across the world that I've stayed with locals in their houses are definitely the most memorable times. Like, you know, you remember the places and the beauty and that kind of stuff for sure, but it's the connections with people that, you know, I meant, I talk about this a lot in my book, how, um, you know, cause we're also like, you're on a budget, you're on a tight budget. You're trying to like, you know, we're camping every night and cooking our own food. And when you get invited for at somebody's house, it means you don't have to pay for a hotel or whatever that night and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, those were just some of the, you know, we had a lot of hard teary goodbyes wow. and uh, you'll read a lot about those in the book. And that's, that was never easy to, to get through. But you know, when you, we, I've got these memories in my bank forever and I've like, you know, made, you, it's like the you make deposit after deposit after deposit into your memory bank, and it's like now I'm rich for sure. Oh, Todd, I love that so much. I mean, you're you're just hitting on so many big um, topics these days of time, freedom, now wealth and abundance. Like, really, what is wealth? What is a wealthy life? 
what is what is true wealth look like? And I, I love that you described it in this way. I've really felt it viscerally where if I just close my eyes, I can see that face. I can see that person's eyes looking into my eyes. And that's wealth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you know that from, be, you know, from being to Kenya and stuff like that, you, you, you get that. Absolutely. You experience that. And you like, that's, you hold that close to your heart. You're never going to remember, you're not going to remember like, yeah, you know, like frivolous shit that doesn't really matter. It's like these meaningful connections with real, true, down to earth, like close to the earth kind of people, right? That don't have anything, but they would give us their last plate of rice, you know, that, yeah. you know, and they don't care about going to bed hungry because they've probably done it a bunch of times before. It's, you know. <sighs> Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there's so many um, great themes here. I mean, obviously the, the, the true suffering really does come from our pursuit of pleasure and our avoidance of pain. And really what you're talking about is actually throw the guidebook away, go find discomfort, go be uncomfortable, and then you'll see true joy. Then you'll experience true adventure. My mom used to always say, um, an adventure is an unplanned expedition. And just through your storytelling, I, I, you know, have these flashes of images and the times that of my life that have been the most rewarding absolutely happened by accident. Absolutely, we turned the wrong way and it was dark and we were going up a hill and there were, you know, all those things. And then actually pulling through it like that, that is, those are the moments that have stitched my life together. And I love that you actually seek that out on purpose. It's wonderful. Yeah, and you know the the guidebook thing is was super helpful for us, and it was and it, you you know you get the opportunity to create your story and to create your your vision of what a place actually is without having hmm. someone else predetermine that for you. Like that's freedom, you know. Like in a guidebook, it says, "Oh, go here or avoid this place or you know whatever," but you're not actually living it for yourself. You know, it's like when you meet someone for the first time, if, if you met them and someone's said to you, Oh, that person's a dick or whatever, right. You're going to have that in your mind and you're going to make that up already for you. But if you have none of that and you start with a blank slate guidebooks, I think are only good for the historical facts of the country. Yeah. Not like, yeah, like nothing else. Because, you know, when I was a backpacker way in my twenties, I was guilty of that too. You know, you'd have the guidebook and then you would see the same people there the next day and the same people and you get on the same bus and you go do the same thing. And it's like my brother called them canned adventures. Canned adventures. Yeah. yeah. Where it's adventure in a can. <laughs> I love that. And he's like, it's, it's not really adventure if you're paying for it. It's just sort of a, you know, it's adventurous, but it, um, so anyways, so yeah, that's just like, to be truly free, I think when you're traveling, especially, I think you should just go to to a place not knowing much about it. Like there's real, I like being naive, I think is a, is a plus in, in yeah. sorts of circumstances, right? Because you don't like, you don't know where to go. And sometimes for us on the motorcycles, we didn't know like even the places to avoid, like we never would ride at night and stuff like that. But like having these surprises, like, Oh my God, look, like you actually discover a place without knowing about it first. And that's very, very rewarding. Yeah. It sounds like you were tapping more into your intuition and your common sense, right? Tap into your intuition, common sense, and then have create the space for awe. Yeah, and and, and local knowledge too. Like you know, you right. that's how we learned how to speak Spanish. Was wasn't from a book or anything. It was just like from speaking to people and saying, "Where's this and where's that?" or "How do I get here?" Or you know, like so it was. It was. We tried to learn on that first big trip. We tried to learn two new words every day. Yeah. Um, and then once that starts coming, you know, again, that's kind of liberating to be able to speak another language and get around get get through like both Christina and I have like a housefly's sense of direction. It's insane that we got to where we did <laughs> like, seriously with no GPS or nothing the whole for throughout, um, 38 countries. Wow. Um, and 38. 
Yeah, it's, the first trip. One of our, our only goal was to, through the first trip was to see every country on mainland Latin America, mm-hmm. twenty three of them, and we managed to do that, uh, which included like a six thousand kilometer trip up the Amazon River, so we could get to the other side to Peru and Ecuador to get back to the Andes. Just a six thousand kilometer. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Thirty five days, ten different boats. Um, we basically like carried our bikes onto boats and um, strung up our hammocks. All those river boats, everyone sleeps in hammocks like next to each other. It's it's hilarious. Like you have the bottom level has all the cargo and all the trade goods. The middle level is people sandwiched in there like sardined in hammocks like i'm talking like 200 like rows of 100 people kind of and then the top deck is just like uh yeah food and good times and dancing at night it was pretty fun wow what did you um uh, what did you require to keep going what did you need good question yeah well there was definitely some days we didn't feel like keeping going yeah I, I hope so. I please tell me you're human because that that sounds like epic. So yeah, what did what did it require for you? I think it may have been different for Christina, but yeah, but just for you. Yeah, I think for me always in the back of my mind it was just like I'm doing this for Sean. I want to I want to doesn't matter like where we get to in in a, in a sense. I just wanted to sort of complete the mission or the the adventure. Um because we were spreading his ashes all along the way. That was kind of what oh. sort of dropped this like foreshadowing bomb on me. One time we were in, um, we were in Zimbabwe just camping out amongst these rocks, these big boulders. And he said to me, um, Hey, I guess we should talk about this. Hey, he's like, if one of us die, like if you die, do you want to be buried or cremated? And um, I obviously asked him the same thing. And he said, if I die, I want to be cremated and I want my ashes spread anywhere in the world or all across the world, all throughout the world. Right. And just for context, how old was he when he said that? He was 29. Yeah, Right. I was- so it's not like he was, you know, thinking about death. Like it was an, an unusual time to be doing that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, wow. So I think, uh, yeah, that just kept us going. Um, and then I think just, I don't know, the whole experience was so, like sometimes it was just so amazing that we would just be like shouting underneath our helmets, just even to ourselves and just be like hmm. in your fist and like, you know, <laughs> being on a motorcycle is freedom in itself. Right. And then when you're on these, like when you're like, when we have towering mountains are all around you and the road is like challenging and rough and fun. And you're, it's just like, you're not, it's like you're not even in life. You're in this other amazing life, right? And you just want it to keep going. Wow. Yeah, yeah I love. I love the um the a couple of things that you're um presenting, sort of offering, like just all these this wisdom is is so lovely, and I love how um you're just telling your story but there's such cool things like this releasing of the need to know as a really powerful um wisdom, um, like a true, true truth of the release of the need to know is really the thing that actually opened up so many wonders for you. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, I it's interesting because that just the concept of the release of the need to know, I remember a time actually you said when I was in Kenya, actually I was at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro in, <laughs> it was a very odd moment, but um, I was in a car, like a, you know, old sort of jalopy kind of car. And I was sitting beside a Maasai warrior and we were in a, in this car driving toward his village. I was going to go visit his village and he had decent english and um, i don't know what i don't know what i was thinking but i kept asking him like trying to you know engage in conversation i would ask him what mountain is that and i'd ask him to name the mountain right and he'd sort of look at at me like um i don't know that's the mountain where the lions are <laughs> like he didn't know the name i i wanted to like facts and yeah. i wanted to like reference my guidebook to see where i was there was something kind of um pedestrian about the way i was thinking and when he was like i don't know that's the where the lions are i i just realized 
the context, my need to know gave me something to go home and talk about in a way that people would get. And for him, it's like, well, that's where danger is. It was such a different way of, of looking at his world and me trying to make sense of it. And so you being out there in these riverboats and out on these, on these dirt bikes and in all these different countries and all these different places and being willing to so I, I think I was asking you, like, what was it that kept you there? And it was your brother's legacy and him wanting to be, uh, you wanting to honor him. But there's something that kept kept you, like, maybe I'll ask it like this. Like, I'm just so fascinated. What what was it that um, that you got? Like, what did you come home with? What was the sense that the the feeling that you arrived at after that trip, that first one? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, the sense of accomplishment was was definitely there because when you undertake such a grand or a mission on such a grand scale, mm-hmm. and you actually come through the other end, like the opposite of unscathed, um, that was quite rewarding in itself. Like just to. <laughs> Yeah, you survived. Yeah, just to look back mm. and be like, "Holy shit!" Like all those you look, you know, we look at our red squiggly line on the map, and you're like, "Wow!" When you when you lay out the thing on scale, it's it's insane, and um, how all those like almost every kilometer is different. It changes. Like sometimes you get those crazy stretches where you're driving 200 kilometers and there's nothing but like sugar cane fields on either side, right? But then there's some days where you're like dodging chickens and pigs and I hit a donkey once and you'll read, you'll read about that in the book. That's a funny little aside, but mm-hmm. um, you know, when you look back on all that stuff and you're like, wow, we, we actually navigated that together and we did that and we, you know, like I, I, I felt quite proud that I honored my brother in that way and, and kept his dream alive in a way, right? Have you, you've heard of the concept of flow state. Yeah. Like flow state. Yeah. There's something about flow state and survival that go really well together. Like that moment of, am I going to make it? And the level of presence and, um, and the level of awareness that is required in that moment is really flow state. And that, that's something that many, many people, like there's no such thing as flow state watching Netflix, right? (laughs) Eating your, you know, box of popcorn. So, um, flow state really does happen at the edge. And so that it seems like you were like you were in flow state for quite a sustained amount of time. Yeah, totally. And this, especially on those times when, like I said, like when we didn't know where the road actually went and sometimes it didn't seem like it was a road at all. It's like, really, this was like, you know, it's barely on the map. It's like a squiggle, but and, uh, you know, you're tired and you're hungry and you're wet and you're cold or whatever, all those things. And you're like, if we break down, like we are royally screwed. Like this is like, you know, and fear sets in, you have this fear of, you know, you have this fear of the unknown, but you have no choice but to face the fear. Like you're not going back. There's no backtracking. That's not happening because of what you just went through. And, you know, there's, yeah, your range for your gas tanks and all that stuff, right? So you basically just have to like suck it up, Buttercup, and put the th- hit, put your hand on the throttle and go. And that's what I was amazed at, Christina. Like sh- her resilience and her strength and her toughness would just like kept me going for sure. It was like because I had, you know, I definitely was bringing her. I had a bunch of experience from doing the first trip with my brother in Africa, right? And you know that was to me, I wanted to pass that along to her, but it, I didn't know how she was going to necessarily cope with it. Right. And, you know, being together for 24 seven all the time, that was a, that was a massive challenge in itself. Like we definitely had some heated arguments and stuff along. I hope so. <laughs> Again, very human. Sometimes. Well, it, yeah. isn't it cool how, how she would have had to have had her own, mission her she would have had to have had her own um motivation 100%. and because the, she you can't you can't give someone a motivation you can't yeah. they've got yeah. to access it themselves and so 
I, I, I really appreciate how the two of you walked side by side through your own motivation and mission and purpose and came together to make it possible. It's really impressive. Talk about a marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It, it tested us for sure. Like there's a lot of times when, you, um, yeah, you just kind of throw up your hands and be like, fuck it. I, I, I can't go any, I can't, I'm not going anymore. Right. And, uh, but that, vi- that visual of you saying, and then I put my hand on the throttle and I drive forward anyway. Yeah. Wow. I mean, listen, I I hope that people, I hope people listening are looking into their own areas of their life, asking themselves, where have I taken my hand off the throttle? Where is it that I need to put my hand back on and go into the fear, into the adventure, into the unknown? And I think, you know, that's sort of, that sort of applies to business as well. Like if, if people are like, I've got this. I've got this entrepreneurial fire inside of me, but I'm scared to let go. And I know like I'm, you know, I'm making a good paycheck right now, or I do this, or I don't know what the steps to do to, to take the next, to take the next step. But you really do just have to like dive in and just not be worried about the outcome, but enjoy the process and, you know, recognize and appreciate the pursuit of your own potential. Mm. Wow. Yes, please. More of that. I I really especially appreciate the surrender to the outcome and that actually what's on the other side might just be total wonderment. Like it, it, you might find a waterfall or you might find a windfall either way. Yeah. When you re- release that need to to follow the, I have this allergy to the this current marketing, you know, um, <laughs> the other pandemic, which is like follow my seven step plan to making your ten xing your income from home. It's like how how to make all the money following no imagination at all from the comfort of your home without meeting anybody. It's just like shoot me. Yeah. And, you know, fear, like the fear of failure is, is palpable, you know, it's, it's, yes. and it's like uh, people, people don't want to look bad or they don't want to, you know, they want to look good. They want to make, you know, they, this out, they have this outwardly um, uh, feeling about their appearance or not necessarily their appearance, but their um you know, their reputation maybe or whatever, but you, you know, you look back at some of the greatest entrepreneurs in the world and they've all failed and we all learn stuff. And, but the thing that they hold in their pocket is now that they, they at least can say that they tried and they did it right. And they faced the fears and, um, and you know, what came through was, um, Hey, do you mind if I read a little excerpt my book? It's about fear here at the, at the start. Oh, yes. Okay. Perfection. Yes. Oh, it's, not, it's not that long, but. Uh, oh, please. Okay. My principal fear existed in knowing that our lives could easily be taken by a brainwashed 14-year-old with an AK-47 slung across his shoulders and a cigarette dangling from his fat lips. The scenario played out several times between my ears as I thought of our approaching journey into the more dangerous heart of darkness Africa that lurked to the west. Said teenager would be manning a makeshift roadblock somewhere in the jungles of the Congo, where child soldier indoctrination runs as rampant as dengue fever. From her captor's point of view, two human dollar signs had magically appeared as a physical manifestation of his prayers, delivered on two wheels in front of the shaking barrel of his rifle. I pictured him with a stern look on his face, ordering off the bikes in a language we don't understand, forcing us to the ground with venom in his eyes. Then the rest of his hypnotized rebel warrior friends, who up until six months ago were innocent kids kicking around a limp soccer ball in a field, would saunter to the forest like zombies and surround us like a pack of hungry wolves. If we're lucky, they'll beat us senseless, take every last possession we own, including the clothes off our backs and the shoes on our feet, and leave us to rot in the jungle. At least we'd have a chance. If we're unlucky, we're just two more casualties in Africa's dark and tormented past. 
what happened? <laughs> well, yeah, that you know, that was just my fear in my head. So nothing actually happened. That didn't happen. Oh God, yes. But that's a legitimate fear. I mean, I was right there with you. Yeah. So I mean, that was one of the like our goal for Africa was to ride from South Africa all the way up to Morocco. Um, but that didn't happen because of um when we got to when we got to Uganda and we were gonna head west uh through the Congo, uh, uh all these guerrilla rebels and stuff like that were um causing crazy disruption in the forest and in these jungles and like, you know, not going into any details, but yeah. Lots of killing. So all, yeah, the borders, yeah. all the borders were closed. To, you know, you could not get into the country. So we we were basically trapped. So we just we had to we had to call her call her quits and come home. Wow. Yeah. That is really and you know what a I mean what a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> right? The kid with the the um cigarette hanging from with an AK, whatever. Yeah. I mean, talk about a metaphor for um fear and danger and um yeah, and the pursuit. Yeah. I think it's really, really amazing. I, I love too how how you talk about, you know, that like facing fear, facing the even that that's a possibility that that happened. I mean, most people wouldn't go near that. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, after when you face the fear, then what comes after that? Well, that, the freedom really comes, right? Because That's right. it's free. It's not just freedom as this untangible idea. It's freedom that you sort of hold in your heart, actually, and you just carry throughout the world. And it's sort of like a just liberating, it liberates your soul, right? Yes. It's, I like the word Liberty. It's one of my favorite words. It's, it's like a, an upgrade to, to, you know, freedom because it's got that, you've got that sense of within it's, it's Liberty within, like you said, the, the liberation of your soul. I love the way you said that. And that Liberty or freedom doesn't come outside of yourself. It's not circumstances. I'll be, like you said, I'll be free when I make X amount of dollars. I'll be free when I own a house. I'll be free when I have my retirement, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you know, we know well enough to know that that's just not the case. And I, I really appreciate too that it's the it's the true fear of failure that is uh, the trap. That's that's where where people feel like they're not free is because they're living into their fear of failure, different than uh, and their pursuit of safety. The pursuit of safety is the thing that is creating the trap that's allowing not allowing them to live free. Right? Yeah. And you have to be, you know, you have to go about it in a respectful way to yourself or to, you know, you're not just going to, I'm not just going to like fly to Afghanistan and try to get through the country like an idiot, right? Like, no, you had a purpose. You, you had a purpose. Now here's the thing about purpose that, that I'm obsessed with is that the idea of purpose is that it is the intention to contribute to others. So like you said, you're not just going to fly to some random country and just put yourself in the, you know, line of fire. No, like w- purposeless. You had a you had a purpose and that was to honor your brother's legacy and give the gift of time to people through a net. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and through, like, so simple. Yeah, and so you know, we've we've still keep in touch with some of the kids that we um, um we're in Africa and we helped and they, you know, they just always say, I'm really grateful to have met you and thank you again. And, you know, this is what I'm doing now. And you just wonder if like, if that, if, if they wouldn't have had a net that protected them, you know, probably some of their schoolmates or, well, I know some of their schoolmates wouldn't, wouldn't be alive today. Right. And some of them would just wouldn't be doing, you know, I think every, every human in this, on the earth has a right to make their dreams come true, whatever they are, you know, whether they be simple or grand or however they want to live their life, they still have a right to do that. And enabling that right um, was, was really rewarding in that sense, you know? Yes. Wow. Absolutely. And I love, you said earlier, create your story. You know, you gave people the, the gift of being able to create their story. You know, I, what is, so now tell us, what is the name of your book, Todd? 
Uh, it is called Inside the Belly of an Elephant. Whoa. <laughs> and where are you at with it? Tell, tell us so we know when to, yeah, when to start happening? looking for it. So um, I basically finished the second draft. Um, now I've got a couple editors, a couple of my Mountain Life colleagues um, that are going to do a proper edit for me sort of for the next version. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm going to submit it to a few of the big publishers. Uh, and if they don't bite, then I'm just going to self-publish it or we'll publish it through, uh, through our company, Mountain Life. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I am really, really looking forward to reading it, Todd. I mean, um, I, I just listening to your story again has just reignited this um, curiosity for adventure and for living a good life and and spending our time in a way that really matters, spending our time purposefully and and being on the quest for like true liberty on a soul level. That's, that's really what I think our world needs right now is more of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I live my life by three words and these three words came about as a speech that I gave to my teachers at high school. I was voted to give a toast to the teachers or whatever. Like I wasn't the valedictorian or I'm not smart enough for that, but, uh, <laughs> so at the end of the speech, I said to the to my fellow students, I, I said, you know, you, we're we're about to go into the world, and I said, I'm going to leave you with three words: go for it. And Aww. those three words just kind of, you know, they encapsulate everything that I sort of appreciate and 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 do. And if you just go for it, you know, you're gonna, I think you're just gonna have a good life. Hand on the throttle. Go for it. Have the adventure of a lifetime. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel so invigorated. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at where, you know, where I've taken my hand off the throttle or even in my own life and business, where am I trying to make things easier or more digestible or, um, you know, not too hard or not too long or not too expensive or, you know, I've been, I've been sort of doing that a, a bit and I think it's time for me to go for it. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, you're, yeah, I mean, you embody that pretty good with what you do. You're an inspiration to me and many others out there. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for having me here. I was really stoked to do this. Yes. Ah, well, your message is going to be really well received. I, I really am excited for people to hear all about you and what you're what you've been up to, but also to read your book. And I encourage people to pick up Mountain Life magazine. Um, yeah, and check out you have an online issue. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, we have an online presence. All of our issues, all of our back issues, can be found on the site for sure. Yeah, and uh, they're stunning. There, it's a your ma magazine is a work of art, and I, I really acknowledge Emily Leja. How do I say her last name? Um, I just say Le Lejar. Lejar, <laughs> pardon me, Emily, uh, but for her amazing design work. But uh, it is a it is a really inspiring issue that really is chock block full of uh, full of adventure and freedom. So you you really do, Todd. Whatever you touch, it has adventure <laughs> all over it. So keep going, keep adventuring in your life. Thank you. Thank you so much, and I uh, I look forward to reading your book. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Have an awesome day. You too. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Power to Be podcast. Thanks again to my guest for sharing so generously and for really lighting us up. And it's my hope that each of you who is listening is feeling inspired to get out there and live big and serve powerfully. The world is waiting for that special gift that you have. We'll see you next week.